to Decrypt with Evervault, a new show where we decrypt data security and development with the security and engineering leaders tackling the biggest challenges in tech. In this episode, our founder and CEO Shane chats with Rob Picard, the security lead at Vanta. If you haven't heard of Vanta, it's really, really cool. It's an automated security and compliance platform that helps businesses get and stay compliant by continuously monitoring people, systems, and tools to improve security posture. Rob has been in security since 2014 and has had a variety of roles. Uh, He worked at Robinhood doing security, and he also founded a YC-backed company called Observa, which was a tool to detect public database exposure in AWS. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hey, Rob. Thanks for joining. Hey, happy to be here. Delighted to have you. Um, security is a pretty interesting space for people to get into, and I think it's not necessarily always a thing that people aspire to be doing when they're studying computer science in college or even when they're kids. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and just how you ended up in security in general. Yeah, that's fair. I think a lot of people kind of find security somewhere along the way, and they're like, oh, this is actually really interesting, and I can kind of make a whole career out of it. Um, for me, I was interested kind of in security in... Um, like when I was like 14 and like high school and I was just being a loner and like playing on the computer all day. Um, I like discovered like, oh, like SQL injection and cross-site scripting and there's all these different ways to, uh, you know, like hack a website and all this kind of stuff, right? So I found that really interesting. I spent some amount of time like kind of learning what all of those words mean, but that's kind of it. I didn't like become some sort of pro or anything like that. Um, but when I was in school, third year, um, I just didn't go to class. I like, I was really like done with school and I was like kind of over it. I was like, you know, I'm going to go get a job. Um, I'd gotten more into like programming and that kind of stuff. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go get a programming job. I applied to a few places. Um, one of which though was Matasano security, which was a really well-known security consultancy. And what they would do is they would take people who kind of like knew what all the words meant and could string them together and really teach them how to be a professional consultant at like a really high level. And so I use, I mean, definitely some luck, some just like, oh, I happened to like learn a really good set of things. Um, I was able to get in there. And then from there, I was like, oh, security is definitely the path I want to go down. Cool. And then how did it end up turning into a career? I mean, uh, it's a lot of people sort of start hacking around to projects and so on in their teenagers and, uh, you know, kind of real life gets in the way of that and they end up kind of joining a big company or something. Um, how did you actually turn that into a career? Yeah. And, you know, I think fortunately uh, I came into the security like industry at a time where there was career paths ahead. Right. Um, I wasn't I didn't have to like, you know, really kind of forge a new path. It was just, hey, I was in consulting for a while and then I, you know, responded to a LinkedIn ad for a job at a it wasn't a big company, but a startup. Um, I think that's the other side of it is like I, I definitely made a career for myself within the startup world. Right. Um, as opposed to going to a really big company, um, I've like had you know ten years of experience, but it's basically all consulting and like startups, right? And I've really enjoyed that. I found that like to be almost like a niche within the industry is like being that person who can come in very early into a, a, a startup's security program or be the first person and kind of go from zero to one. So for me, you know, coming into my first job outside of consulting, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Like this is what it's like to build it on the other side. And I kind of went back and forth a little bit, but ended up, you know, really just 
making a career out of going from, you know, uh, like a company, uh, you know, companies like zero state or like close to zero state and putting in all those first building blocks and, and, and sort of building a security program that is, um, I guess, uh, unique to that, that company. Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they kind of go into the security career in general, they kind of look at the bigger companies that already have well-made roadmaps for what a security engineer should look like or what a security consultant should look like. So um, I think kind of coming into startups when, frankly, I think a lot of the time it's a case of firefighting where, you know, security is generally one of these things that's hired very late and you're kind of coming in almost a year too late. Um, it creates for a very interesting set of work. Um, and I, I guess sort of similar to me, you've had the or uh, being in the unfortunate position of being a founder of a security company as well, which is sort of that times 10. Um, we'd love to hear a bit more about uh, Observa, what it was, how it came about, and um, I guess sort of where it, where it ended up, if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. So I uh, started off um, kind of like the, the founder like idea. Um, again, like back when I was in high school, I was like really into Hacker News, right? Um, and actually that first job at Madisonic Security, I discovered via Hacker News because Tom Tachik is like, you know, founder, one of the founders of Madisonic Security. He's like the number one on the leaderboard of Hacker News. So he's like all over the place on Hacker News to this day, right? Um, and so I discovered Madisonic Security through that, but I also was just like fully enveloped in this whole, you know, the founder mythology and like startups and all this. And I just, I loved it, right? Um, so it was always like in the back of my head as like kind of like, a, oh man, can you imagine going through Y Combinator and all that stuff? And um, I was at Robinhood for a few years. Um, I actually read a book um, that I have over here on my bookshelf. Uh, uh, I'll grab it real quick, actually, just for the, the visual effect. But it's called The Launchpad. And it's just about, uh, it's about one of the, like, Y Combinator batches. It's like somebody wrote a book. They, they went and, like, kind of tagged along. And I read it, and I was like, oh, man, like, I really, like, I never applied. I never did anything with that, like, and, and whatnot. And then I just, I, I had spent enough time in security at uh, Robinhood where I was like, well, we've been building all this detection and response tooling, and it's this huge investment. Um, I wonder if, like, a smaller company would be down to pay for a very small version of this where it's just sort of almost just checking a box, but an important box to check that like, hey, if, you know, somebody logs into your, you know, Google account and then your like Slack account from, you know, the, the impossible travel thing, right? From like, you know, California and New York within five minutes, then you'll just get a, get a heads up, right? But ideally focusing on like higher signal stuff, and, you know, impossible travel is not necessarily always high signal, but you know, that's the idea, right? Is like high signal stuff that a startup founder um, who's in a smaller company might look at and say like, oh, you know what, those things would be valuable to know. Um, and then I could you know, sell that to startups. So that was the original idea. And then I applied to Y Combinator after reading that book. I was like, this is a really good idea. I'm going to apply. Um, and it turns out I got in and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Dream come true. Um, did Y Combinator, right? Um, but immediately found out like, oh yeah, startups, they don't want to buy this like weird security idea. Like nobody's interested in this. So I pivoted a couple times. Uh, I looked at like some threat intelligence stuff for bigger companies. I looked at, you know, um, just kind of like a few different ideas, talked to a ton of people. And when I kind of finally decided to build, like really build a product out, it was, all right, let me take that same idea of, you know, really high value, um, uh, high signal, low noise detections and apply it to like cloud accounts. So the thing I started with or the thing I ended with on that was detecting that you've made a database public, right? And actually this is, um, I've seen this happen in the past is like somebody in like a dev environment accidentally made a database public to the internet. 
and there's nothing in it, but that was used as a vector to get into the system and then mine Bitcoin, right? And so, okay, like that's an easy thing to detect. I can look at like all of your public IPs and I can check like, is this a database? And just let you know if it is. So I built that out. That was kind of like an MVP. I did the whole launch thing and got like a few users, um, really just a few, uh, a lot of signups, like less than a dozen active users. The alerts went off a couple times and nobody cared. And I was just like, man, I've spent like a year just toiling on like no ideas. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of not really interested in pursuing this further. That's where, you know, it kind of left off. But one of the interesting things that I learned from that was, hey, like all of these startups that I'm like struggling to figure out how to sell a security tool to, they all use like Vanta. You know, a ton of them use Vanta, right? Like, and that's where I, I kind of reached out to Christina from Vanta and I was like, hey, I'm a YC founder, shutting down my thing, but seems like everybody uses Vanta. You need a security person. Um, and it kind of went from there to my, to my next stage of my career. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think building security companies is particularly hard, especially when you're in the kind of tight time frame world of YC, where every single week you need to sign, <laughs> you know, X new users and kind of keep up a 7% weekly growth rate. Um, what yeah, do you think were the hardest things? I was not keeping about... up any weekly growth rate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely tough in the early days. And I think security especially is one of these things that's it's just very slow to start. But, you know, once you kind of get into a rhythm of it, it really starts to move. Um, but generally, what were the hardest parts about building a security company? And like, why do you think um, Observer didn't work out the way you wanted it to? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think one of the hardest parts for me was realizing that, you know, I actually I went into this fully knowing that it's really hard to sell security products to early stage startups because they have other priorities, obviously. Um, but I went in there with this like theory that, hey, I think I might have an angle with this detection and response stuff that that would resonate. Um, and I was just wrong, right? That just like that angle that I had and I went with was just incorrect. So fair enough, you know, that's you try stuff. Um, I hesitate to draw any other conclusions because I think there's there's an alternate reality where one of those things I pivoted to just like really resonated and I just kind of, I figured out an insight that really, you know, um, I was able to kind of pull the thread and turn it into something bigger um, or I went longer and I, I didn't sort of like leave it after a year or so and, and kind of go on to something else. So it's very possible that like somebody else's, you know, startup success story had the same start as mine. Right. And I've talked to people who said like, hey, you know, uh, I talked to a, a very smart person who said you totally would have been fine if you had a co-founder because uh, I was doing it solo. And I don't believe them. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad I didn't have a co-founder if that's the case, because I, I, I'm happy with the direction it went. Um, I, I wouldn't have wanted to just kind of like go back and forth on, on you know, between ideas for, for that long. It just doesn't suit me. Some people do it and they end up with like, you know, a billion dollar company and like good for them. But you know, I have my own path, um, but I'm hesitant to draw any real conclusions about like startups and founders and that kind of stuff from my own experience because, you know, N equals one, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a good chance that if you just tried it again, everything would be going swimmingly, uh, but you just never <laughs> yeah, really exactly. these things. Yeah. Um, so you're at Vanta now, uh, at Evervaults, we're a very happy customer of Vanta. It helps us really smoothen out a lot of our SOC 2 and PCI compliance processes and so on. Um, what is Vanta and uh, what do you help companies do? Yeah, so Vanta is a uh, platform that does sort of security and compliance monitoring and automation, right? 
Um, you can think of it as like a trust management platform. That's one angle where how do you build trust with your customers and your stakeholders, your prospects? You know, we have a variety of products that help you do that. You know, the, the sort of flagship is like getting a SOC 2. That's really painful sometimes if you're a startup um, or a mid-market company with like a more complex situation. And Vansa has a lot of integrations and automation that helps you do that. Um, and then things like, you know, proving that, uh, you know, demonstrating your, your security posture through um, like trust reports and that kind of stuff as well. Um, so that, that's like the core of what it does. I like to think of it personally as sort of where you sort of orchestrate your security and privacy program. You know, that's like the higher level abstraction around like, hey, this is all the stuff we want to do. Let's go make sure that's happening. You know, but sometimes the things that you're actually doing themselves might live in another place like Okta or Google or, you know, whatever system that is relevant to your stack. Yeah, I would say we were probably a reasonably early customer of Vanta. Uh, and my general impression at the time was that uh, Vanta was just kind of like a one-stop shop where you know, you're trying to sell to a customer. They need you to have a, a SOC 2 certification. Uh, the founders typically have no idea what that is or how they go about getting it. And then you kind of go to Vanta and they just introduce you to an auditor and they kind of help you through the whole process. Um, has yeah. that changed or um, you know, is there a different buyer now compared to what it was a few years ago? That's a great question. I think you know it's still there's still like a core there, right? Like that's still the bread and butter is like, you know, uh, we have a ton of companies who are early stage. They are trying to sell to a bigger company. They said, you need a SOC 2. They come to us like, what is a SOC 2? And we help them get across the finish line, right? And we can do that pretty quickly. We're really good at that part um, for sure. And then as we've gone up market as like a seller, as a producer of software, we are selling more to like me now, right? Like I am in a lot of ways uh, an important customer of Vanta because I am a mid-market security leader at a startup, right? Um, and so we are trying to address more than just those box checking, right? We're trying to actually improve your security posture and then demonstrate that to auditors, third-party stakeholders, partners, whoever it is, right? Um, I think that's, that's the key movement is like that move up market means introducing a new buyer, which is um, either, you know, a security leader or a compliance leader or an IT leader who is, you know, thinking in like pretty much a full-time way about these problems. And do you communicate the product differently to all those different buyers, or have you tried to find a way to unify all of them? Uh, I think I think definitely differently. I mean, this is not my department, um, but I think it has to be different, right? Because the value proposition is completely different, right? To your point, you know, the value proposition for a one-person or two-person startup is we'll help you unlock that sale, right? The value proposition to a security leader is we will help you do your job, right? Your job of securing or managing risk, I, I guess I'd say. Um, you know, that is a very different, you know, it's almost in a lot of ways, it's the same core features that apply to either one, especially if you build them, right? You build them for the one who actually really cares about the underlying security in a deep way, but you make it easy enough that it can apply to everybody, even the folks who are more, you know, motivated just by like, hey, I, I care about security, but my company's going to die if I don't get this sale. I care a lot about that sale, right? Um it's a different value proposition, a lot of the same underlying tools, and then some like, you know, oh, hey, like, we have a better version of X, Y, or Z if you, you know, need that sort of thing. Yeah, I would say we have a lot of the same challenges just in terms of how we actually communicate why the product's important to various companies at different stages. Um, you know, with yeah. a one or two person company, it's almost always uh, only something that they'll do if it's a hair on fire problem where they either have to go through a compliance certification or they're trying to close a deal and it's sort of existential and that's when we come in. But um, yeah, at a later stage, it's always sort of a security buyer where you're trying to make their life easier and you know, they're already thinking about security. They're not saying things like we don't care about security because they obviously do and they have a full-time team, um, which uh, sort of points me in the direction of 
like your now security lead at Vanta, um, and security is a core part of the value prop of what Vanta's product even is in the first place. Um, what does your role entail, and like what do you actually do day to day? Yeah, um, it, it's a variety of things, uh, but ultimately, like the the high level thing is, I'm responsible for building and operating this program, right? Security program, um, which means a lot of things, right? Um, we're still, you know, we we've built a lot of the foundational pieces of that program, right? So, you know. Uh, security operations like we have a sim tool in place we get alerts from that tool we have to triage those alerts we need like an on-call rotation process by which we go and triage those alerts we have a product security program where we're going and partnering with engineering teams to review code review uh rfc's is, is the system we use for like technical kind of design specs and stuff like that um we have a, a governance program where we're, you know, updating security policies and making sure that people actually like use and understand and don't just, you know, throw it over the fence at them and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. So there's all of these um, processes in place to sort of ultimately accomplish what I would say is like, um, you know, maybe three goals. Right. Uh, one is reduce the risk of a information security incident. Right. Reduce the friction caused by information security controls. Right. And then um, the third one is kind of specific to Vanta, but like it used subject matter expertise to accelerate the business. Right. So we know a lot about security. We are in a lot of ways, you know, um, the buyer that we're trying to sell to. And so, you know, using our expertise to say like, hey, when you're you know, in a sales call talking to somebody who's a security lead and you say this, it's not going to hit right. You know, maybe talk about it this way. Right. Uh, there's a lot of security pitfalls, you know, um, things like, oh, hey. Uh, you know, and, and luckily this hasn't come up, but I, 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 as soon as I joined Vanta, I got ahead of this and I was like, if there's a security breach in another company, especially if it's a competitor of ours or anybody, we don't talk about that. We just can't. There's no way for us to talk about that in a way that uh, reflects well on us or the industry. And it's just not the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, you, you see that all the time at security companies where you have like people in sales or marketing who say like, oh, like this would never happen to us. And you're like, hey. It would <laughs> like it can happen to anyone, you know. Um, so that's kind of like part of that that third goal is just making sure that that subject matter expertise is is used, uh, you know, at, to its maximum potential within the company. Um, since we do sell security compliance software, so day to day, right? Like that's like long way of saying like the overall structure. But day to day, um, you know, I'm meeting people, I'm writing docs, like I'm reviewing code. This week I'm on call, so I'm like doing. Uh, you know, alert triage and stuff like that. We're still tuning our SIM tool, so we get a lot of false positive alerts, and then I'm going and talking to people like, hey, like, should we just filter this out? You know, what, what, what do we do with this? Um, a lot of that kind of stuff, um, I would say. And then uh, trying to, like, produce more content as well, trying to, like, write interesting blog posts and share some of what we're doing with the world. Yeah, generally, I think that sort of two tropes in security are, on one hand, you have the kind of compliance and regulatory-driven ones who spend most of their time on, um, you know, policies and procedures and just compliance frameworks and so on. Then on the other hand, in typically more of the kind of startup space, you have security teams that are actually software engineers. Um, I know you mentioned that you spend some time doing code reviews, but do you ever actually implement any of the security tooling in code yourself or with your team? Yeah, so our team is... Um... And I realized, by the way, I, I left out one big part, which is enterprise security, right? So anti-malware, that kind of stuff. Um, I, just, I had to say it out loud uh, so people didn't think I'm, I'm crazy. I, we, we hire people um, at this stage. We're still a pretty small team. There's uh, myself, two security engineers, and technical program manager. All very senior. Um, all can write code, right? Um, one of our security engineers was like 
his staff security, he was a staff software engineer in a previous life, right? So, you know, we have people who are very technically proficient, can implement everything we need to do um, from automation on our side to, hey, we want to add a product feature. I can go and like write a PR for that, you know, if it's, it's small enough. And in general, we don't want to like step on people's toes too much, but, you know, we can parachute in and help as needed because we just have that skill set. And that's part of, that's part of like our value proposition within the organization is like, People feel really comfortable coming to us because we're not throwing stuff over the fence at them. We're saying like, hey, you know what? I'll carve out some bandwidth. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to help you fix this or I'm going to show you how to fix it. I'm going to do the research to learn the libraries we're using and how to use them correctly and this, that, and the other. I'm not just going to say there's a high level problem from a tool somewhere. You have to go figure out how to solve it. Um, so at this stage, at least, and I think it's totally fine to hire uh, specialists who maybe don't know how to code at all, right? But they do other parts of the situation. Um, I think at this stage, we are in a position where we need generalists. And one of the core skills of a generalist is the ability to write code. Yeah, it sounds like it fits very neatly into your original framework of sort of zero to one security. Like you're still very hands-on because, you know, it's all fine and dandy to say, here's what security should look like. But unless you're actually doing the work, it's just really hard to get it prioritized. Um, and a lot of our listeners are either founders of startups or working at early stage companies that might be thinking about security. And I know you've written quite a lot on uh, LinkedIn and other places about just startup security in general. Um, if you were a CTO or something at a small company, um, what would the sort of Swiss army knife or just MacGyver toolkit of um, security processes and, and tools look like for you? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So um, I can give a shout out to just like some of the tools that we use, right? Um, I'd say uh, we really like Panther. Uh, we, we bought that recently. We're like new users of it, um, but that's our SIM tool. Um, it's pretty good for a cloud native company like ourselves. Um, lots of like SaaS integrations, you know, cause that's a big part of the, the stuff you're trying to monitor is like people logging into Zoom and like downloading files or something, you know, like weird stuff like that in SaaS applications that aren't just like your servers or your network. Um, uh, we really like SimGrep. Um, you know, I think my face is somewhere on their website, like <laughs> your face is on ours, uh, you know, um, and, uh, you know, they have SimGrep supply chain, SimGrep um, uh, code. SimGrep supply chain is a really cool angle on um, sort of some of the supply chain security tools because they do uh, reachability analysis and that eliminates a lot of false positives. We actually had recently, um, we, we had it flag a dependency, you know, JavaScript dependency that had a vulnerability nine times out of, actually 99 times out of 100 you ignore those because you're like ah like, come on it's just like there's a thousand cvs out there i don't you know there's literally a hundred so i can't do a hundred like reviews of these things but because they cut all this down we looked at it and we we're like oh like this actually matters for us <laughs> you know I, I was able to actually like use the thing and like exploit it and i was like hey like we should you know go fix this right um and so we were able to fix it really quickly because we cut out all that noise. So just like really, really content with that um, outcome there. We use socket.dev as well for sort of the um, the supply chain integrity, you might call it part of things. I think they probably have their own marketing words that they use, but you know, making sure malware doesn't get introduced in the JavaScript supply chain. Um, those are you know three of the big ones. Um, I think, uh, oh, uh, the other one I'll give a shout out to is uh, we use CrowdStrike. Um, which is actually like a Vanta partner as well, um, an investor. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody knows CrowdStrike. I don't have to say too much. It's good. Um, we use Red Canary, though. Great combination because Red Canary does manage detection response. And then we use um, Sublime Security on the email security side today, um, which is uh, we've been very happy with them. Great at detecting like bad emails, really updated on threat intelligence, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and, and I will say 
very interested in potentially using Evervolt. I, I don't want to like gas you up or anything, but like it, it is very cool. So it's, it's on the list, but we're not users today. Awesome. Yeah, we'd love to have you as a user. Um, that's also just really helpful, I think, for people at the early stage. You know, they don't necessarily want to hear about frameworks and like how they should think about security in general. They just want a specific list of tools. So um, yeah, it's always go great to, to get those answers out. out of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you spend a lot of time with startups, and I'm guessing just most of your time is in the startup space, both through yeah. you know, working at Vanta, being a former founder yourself, and um, I know you're also a scout at CRV as well. Um, generally, what are the kind of trends you're seeing in security tooling and, and products, and what's the most exciting kind of direction that you see uh, all those products going? Yeah, um, I'll give a boring answer first, which is like obviously LLMs and AI are like making their way into like every security tool, and that's fun. Like I'm down for it. You know, like let's go for it. Um, so like a lot of the tools we use, it's like oh beta, like you know the chat portion of this tool, and I'm like sweet, let's do it. Like I'm I'm, I'm here for all of it. Um, so that's a, like an obvious one, right? Um, I think. More broadly, and it kind of dovetails with that a little bit, what I'm seeing is um, the trend is signal from noise, I'd say. That's how I would characterize it, right? You're seeing tools, um, like I mentioned SimGrep doing reachability analysis to say like, hey, you have a thousand vulnerabilities, but like one of them matters to you, right? Um, you know, that is a really important insight. That's a really important, you know, in a world where, we're not just hiring people left and right. Like we're trying to like be really conscious of our team size and make sure that we have like a small but efficient, effective, you know, powerful team. Um, we are, you know, we, we just can't like sift through a thousand findings. So we need that that tool to do it automatically. And you have to be smart about it, right? Because like you want to, like it's okay to have some false positives, you know, um, right? But like uh, you don't want any false negatives, I guess, right? Like. The, the real vulnerability you still want to be in the final list, even if that list is a little bit bigger because of it. Um, so that's that's the main trend. There's another company um, I've talked to uh, a bit called um, Edgebit. Um, and Edgebit, what they do is they do a similar kind of idea, but with uh, like software running in your production systems. And I think they might even cover like NPM packages and stuff like that. But the idea is that they'll, you know, um, use like, uh, I think they use like BPF or EBPF, um, like Berkeley Pack Filter, in your production environment to see which files are actually even getting like loaded into memory, even if you use like containers and all that stuff, so that they can say like, oh yeah, that like Vim CVE that's in your container, we can just, you know, cross that out because it never even gets loaded into memory, right? Um, that uh, they're, they're pretty early on still, but that was like the last time I talked to them, that was kind of the ideas that they were working on. And it's, um, it seems like a really smart idea. Like I really like that direction of just, hey, we are inundated with noise. The old way of doing it was hire analysts to sift through the noise. And like, you know, that's where you end up with like a sock with like three tiers of analysts. And, you know, if that works, that works. But when you're at a startup, like that doesn't work. You can't do that, you know? Um, so you need ways to, to be able to triage alerts and respond to things, look at vulnerabilities uh, and, and do that in an effective way. Even if you un you kind of understand like, hey, this isn't 100%, but we're getting, you know, 99% of the way there with like, you know, much less work. So um, I think that's the, the biggest trend in, in my mind that I'm seeing. Yeah, as an engineer, I think everything eBPF related in security is just super interesting. There's so much potential there and I hope more and more people start working on it. Um, a lot of those tools that you mentioned, they kind of, they're on the spectrum between, uh, 
I guess, alerting and observability and knowing when a data breach happens. Uh, but some of them are also preventative as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and at Evervault, we talk a lot about secure by design. Uh, and I know that Vanta kind of tend to focus a lot on, on this as well. Um, what does secure by design mean to you? And like, how do you think about it when you're actually doing security work day to day? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, um, you know, this concept of like guardrails, not gates, right? Um, and when I think about secure by design, that's kind of what comes to mind, right? Is I'm thinking about like, hey, our job as the security team is to help put up guardrails so that you have, you know, the paved path is an easy, secure way of doing things, right? Um, that's, I think, you know, that concept, like Netflix was really big on that, uh, and their security team, and it, you know, kind of really propagated out through the industry, through their talks and, and software. Um, so... I think that's the core piece is like making sure that, you know, an engineer who's writing code changes has the context that they need and the resources that they need to make good decisions. You know, um, the goal is not to make decisions for everybody, but the goal is to make their mental model of the world reflect reality enough that they can make good decisions on their own. And if you hire somebody who has a good mental model of the world and still makes bad decisions, then like that's, that's a different issue, right? That's a hiring issue. But most of the people you know, who you're hiring, they have a good mental model. They're going to make good decisions. You give them the resources to, you know, backfill their mental model and things go, you know, um, like, you know, uh, wrong. By that, I mean like, hey, like they wrote a bad code change, but a tool flag, like this might have a security issue and they can look at it, learn more about it and say, ah, I should talk to the security team because there's a gap in my knowledge here and they might know what's up or you know somebody else on my team might know or I can go and read from these tools that the security team has purchased for the company. So I think that's what I think about when I think of secure by design. I know there's a lot of ways to implement that like you know go deep into the code and create primitives that sort of you know work securely by default and that's yeah important as well. Um, there's just like all these different layers at which you can implement that philosophy. Yeah, and I think the whole goal of Secure by Design and I guess security more broadly is just stopping data breaches from happening and stopping infrastructure from getting breached by people that shouldn't have access to it. Um, I'm curious whether there's any breaches that you've either been part of or read about that you find particularly compelling and um, if there's any interesting lessons from it that you think people should hear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I'd actually amend what you said, though, um, if you'll you'll, uh, indulge me. I, I think the goal of security is not necessarily to stop breaches, right? I think that's just... Uh, you want to set goals you can achieve, and that's probably not like a in the grand scheme of things achievable goal for the industry. But I think effectively managing risk is like really the core of what we do, right? Both of us, right? Um, I think you know managing risk is saying, hey, you know, I need to be able to make a choice for the business, right? And that choice needs to be good, like responsible for my customers. It needs to be responsible for my shareholders. It needs to be responsible for the direction of the business, my employees, everybody. It needs to kind of further our goals as a business. And you can't do that if you don't take any risk. And so it's about saying that risk is crazy. We should never do that. And that one is probably fine. We'll put up some guardrails to make sure we're okay. We can respond effectively. It goes wrong. But X, Y, Z, we're going to be okay. Um, I think that is where all of the nuance really comes into play. Because if you want to, you know, stop data breaches, just turn off the computer, right? Um, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just, uh, yeah, uh, that's the one correction I'd make there. With that said, yes, speaking of data breaches, uh, breaches um, you know, I, and to the point I made earlier, like I'm always hesitant to like name a name and say, oh yeah, they got breached in XYZ. 
But I will. I just want to you know commend um, when Circle CI got breached, right? Um, they had a security incident. They were super upfront about it. They published a lot of really interesting information about what happened. And again, like this could happen to any of us, right? Like these things absolutely happen. So what we were able to do is we actually took the information that they put out there about what happened with them. And we were able to run like tabletop exercises internally and learn from it. And that that is fantastic, right? Like that is the best possible outcome there is that because hopefully we're not the only ones and hopefully other companies saw that and were like, oh, like what if that happened to us? So in their case, um, if I'm remembering right from their post, uh, it was, you know, some malware was uh, ended up downloaded on an engineer's laptop. And then that malware was able to steal a session that was, you know, sort of post SSO login session to an end system. And then that was then escalated into getting some, you know, infrastructure production access. So, um, you know, for us, we were able to look at that, like say, okay, if let's assume like the most, you know, privileged engineer, right, their laptop gets malware. What happens next? What do we have to detect it, prevent it? What do we have to prevent the next thing that's going to happen? Like, let's assume breach. Let's assume that happened. What about the next thing? Will we detect that? Will we prevent that? What about the next? And really just go through that attack train, uh, attack chain and um, or tree. And I think that uh, those kinds of moments really are, you know, speaking of like updating your mental model of the world, those are the moments that let you take a big step in, okay, this is the kind of stuff that's actually happening to startups out there. This is the kind of stuff that we need to do to prevent it. This is how we're going to improve our threat model and improve our uh, security posture. Cool. Um, thanks, Rob, for the conversation. It was it was super interesting, and I definitely learned a lot. Um, just before wrapping up, I'm curious if there's anything else you'd like to add on security in general and how people should be thinking about it. And then also just where can people find your work online or uh, any of your thoughts or opinions on security because uh, we all have them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all do. Um, yeah, um, I guess, you know, at a high level, um, you know, one of the most powerful insights that I've been able to apply, you know, at Vanta here, this is my first time, um, you know, I've been here almost, uh, not quite two years, but you know, I've been here a little while now. It's the first time I've like led a security program from zero to one, right? I was very early at Robinhood and I learned a lot there from Karthik Brangarajan, who was my boss. Um, and we learned a lot from Netflix just as like third party observers, right? Um one of the biggest insights that I've been able to apply here that is just like over my two years started to pay dividends is uh, you your job is to be a partner, right? Your job is not to uh, be the wall that things stop at, right? Your job is to make sure everybody, including the CEO, um, potentially the board, um, all of the individual contributors, all the managers, everybody has the context that they need to make good decisions and make sure that they're informed about risk and that the, you are documenting and tracking like how people are responding to risk and updating your your you know models and, and whatnot but you know your job is not to stop things your job is to enable things right your job is to make things go forward guardrails not gates right that um one of the things that i do you know i mentioned sort of the goals of our program one of them being reduce the friction caused by information security controls we run surveys uh, twice a year along with a couple other teams and like hey what what are we doing that's stopping you from getting your job done I get feedback constantly um, when those things go out or when I talk about this at an all hands, I get feedback. Oh my God, I just joined my last company. I never talked to the security team. They were the worst. Like they would just like anything you said, you send them something for comments. They'll just like mark up the whole thing. And you know, you get those kinds of uh, pieces of feedback and it's, it's, it's great because the end result is not, Oh great. I get to be everyone's best friend. It's Oh great. Like when people have problems, they come to us. Even if they're kind of sensitive in nature, we can go to people and talk about things that are, you know, maybe a little bit personal, maybe a little bit this, that, and the other, because, you know, 
like frankly, like we see their emails sometimes. We see, you know, what's running on their computer. We see a lot of stuff and we have to be really responsible with that. And they have to trust us with that. So like we don't run phishing exercises like uh, simulations because that's just going to erode trust. We, you know, try our best to say yes and manage risk instead of saying no. And I think that's paid a lot of dividends. And I think that is the right way to approach this uh, stage of building a security program. So that's the the final kind of learning I'll, I'll add on. Um, I am on Twitter at uh, it's Rob Picard, P-I-C-A-R-D. Uh, also on LinkedIn, uh, Rob Picard. Um, I'm the one who works at Vanta. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I'll post sometimes like articles on LinkedIn and stuff like that. Um, easier than getting people to a blog. They, they seem to read it on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I wish you and Vanta all the best. And thanks so much for jumping on. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Decrypt with Evervault. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe for future episodes and head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. You can also join our Discord and join in on the conversation there. Uh, Let us know what you liked uh, and if there's any guests that you would like to hear from in the future. See you next time.